0: If you enjoy this show, you will enjoy the new novel Alice Isn't Dead, a standalone, complete reimagining of this story. It's out now. Find it wherever you encounter books or at aliceisn'tdead.com.
1: I need to sleep eventually. But every moment I spend sleeping is a moment I'm not driving. Hopefully. And this is one long, long drive. But it's okay because I have a good story to tell on the way. Let me tell you about how we broke into a police station.
0: Isn't Dead by Joseph Fink Performed by Jessica Nicole Produced by Disparition Part 1, Chapter 7 Let's break into a police station
1: Stopped for lunch in Meridian, Mississippi Fried things, cheesy things, sweet tea The place had all these lunchboxes Old ones with blocky cartoons and action poses Have fun with it, the lunchboxes said and also, stuff yourself, they said. I had been on the road for hours and I was so hungry, but then I realized my mistake as the mass of it started pulling at me. Ended up having to take a long nap, but then I woke up feeling so good that suddenly the whole mistake seemed like a great idea. For one thing, I wasn't going to have to eat again for maybe even a day. If you're not looking to stop much, a meal like that is the perfect way to keep yourself going. I grabbed a quick shower, my first in, uh, well if I'm honest, a while, at the Motel 6 next door. I watched the water pool around my feet in the beige bathtub. Somehow I couldn't look away. I stood there for a long time, watching water run through my toes. And then I was back in a driver's seat and back on the road and back out of Mississippi. Sylvia and I were going to break into a police station in Savannah, Georgia, so that we could find any evidence of what this Officer Campbell had been planning to tell her. It just wasn't clear how we were going to do it. The front was a big glass window, fine, but the rest was cinder block blank. Barred windows, no back door, nothing that could be crawled through or into. It was a box with one opening, and that opening was right on the street. Even trying to case the place was hard. There were cops everywhere, hanging out, chatting, and staring at us as we tried to casually walk by. "Uh, Nothing casual about the two of us, I guess, I said. Could we just run in and run out, she said. Well, there's one door. You run in, it'd be tricky to run out. We took our fourth walk down the block. An officer across the street watched us with open suspicion. After what happened in Kansas, I could feel my heart pound just looking at his uniform, at the contempt on his face. Not the front then, I said. All right, you stay here. I'm gonna walk down that alley. Meet me on the other side. At the end of the alley was a dumpster. (sighs) Well, fuck it then. I climbed up on it and from there I got on the roof. I crawled body prone so that I wouldn't be seen and they wouldn't hear footsteps below. Along the top of the building were skylights. I crawled to the edge of one. I was above a desk that needed decluttering and a floor that needed mopping. I inched my way back, hopped off as casually as someone can hop from roof to dumpster to ground, and I met back with Sylvia. Okay, so here's what, Sylvia, I said. I'm going to need you to make a distraction. What kind of distraction? That I don't know, but I need to do something very stupid and very loud. So I need you to do something stupider and louder than me. She grinned. (laughs) I know just the thing. Oh man, don't tell me. I'd have to try to stop you. Just do it. The average flag size in Texas is so much bigger than anywhere else. Yeah, I know the usual joke. Really, what is it about Texas that makes them want their flags so big? American flags the size of minivans, the size of small houses, waving from car dealerships and libraries? There is something to be said, obviously, about insecurity. The wisdom is that the most performatively loud person at the party is the most insecure. And Texas is nothing if not performatively loud their threats of secession, the bluster that permeates their politics, and, of course, these huge flags. And then you see the countryside of Texas, and maybe you understand a bit. Because it is beautiful, sure, but a lot of it is empty. Empty in a way that feels heavy. Like the big cities in Texas are just fronts to hide that it's mostly an empty state with a population trying to be as loud as possible so no one will notice that all of them live tucked away in the East. All hell West Texas, right? I mean, most of this could be said about America as a whole, and probably should be, but I'm not in America right now. I'm in Texas. I got back on the roof, and I waited. I couldn't see anything crouched like I was, but if I couldn't tell when Sylvia's distraction happened, then the distraction wasn't big enough. I waited and waited, and I knew that something had gone wrong and she had been caught, and I had aided and abetted her into this nonsense. And then the distraction came, and it was big enough. Here's what she had done. She had gone a few blocks, broke into a car, hot-wired it, pointed it at the glass front of the station, gave it a rev, and rolled out. It wasn't going fast enough to hurt anyone. It didn't do much more than make a loud noise as it took out the glass, but not something that you could stop, either. Some of them ran after her, but she had planned out a route that got her into hiding before they could even turn the corner. She'd been on the road by herself a long time, and a kid in a place this dangerous The one thing they know more than any other thing is how not to be noticed. When the car came through, everyone ran to it. I started stomping until the skylight gave. The sound was so loud, but the car hadn't stopped moving. It was taking out desks now on its way to the reception's area's wall. I jumped down. There were five desks and I wasted a good 30 seconds checking them until I found the one with Ben Campbell's nameplate by that point, I had no time to look at what I was grabbing. I took every scrap of paper I could find on top of and inside of his desk, and I threw it into my bag. It was time to get out of there. You can probably see the problem here, but in the heat of the moment, I had missed it. I'm not a professional at this. I wonder if I'm a professional at anything. Of course, there wasn't a way back up to the skylight. Easier down than up. I was standing in the back of a building with only one exit, and every cop in shouting distance was gathering at that exit looking at the goddamn car that had gone through it. I was trapped. Wow, those cactuses. No, cacti, right? Why do we insist on using Latin plurals for some words? There are people who care so much about every jagged edge of this language. It's not cactuses, they'll say, it's cacti. But then they'll get angry about some new jagged edge poking up. Language is all jagged edge and mess. Let go of the old mess. Embrace the new mess. Anyway, the cactuses look like out of Looney Tunes. Perfect reverse tripods, bright green with thick visible spines. This whole landscape is like a painting, and I feel like I'm a detail in that painting. Desert landscape with truck in background. Artist unknown. Oh, that was a turn-off for Sedona. Maybe I should go there, buy some crystals, find a vortex, relax. Maybe I should just get some coffee from a vending machine at a gas station. There are choices in life, and I take some of them. It had been maybe less than a minute. Attention was still entirely on the crash, but there were seconds maybe before someone turned and saw me standing there. I thought for a moment of hiding, waiting until everyone went away for the night, but first of all, it didn't seem likely that that was a thing that happened at a police station. I mean, probably they had a night shift, and even if they didn't, there was no way they were just going to leave a building unattended that was missing its entire front wall. Every second I stayed, the probability of my getting caught ticked toward one. I tried jumping, but the skylight was way too high for that and still rimmed with broken glass. I looked around for... What? What did I think I would find? I looked around for a miracle, I guess. But there wasn't a miracle. There was only me and whatever I would choose to do next. So I clambered up on Officer Campbell's desk, and I turned, and without giving myself time to think better of it, I hurled myself from the desk up at the skylight, sucking in my stomach in some half-assed attempt to keep from getting blood out on the glass. My hand slapped onto the roof, and my chest slammed into the edge, and that did some bad things, but there wasn't much glass where I hit, so I avoided getting completely skewered. Even with the excitement of the car, there was no way they weren't going to notice a woman jumping off of a desk and half landing up through a skylight. My chest was on fire, and my hands were rapidly sliding toward me, but I could hear the footsteps coming, I could hear the shouts, and I knew I was moments from a hand wrapped around my ankle. I thought about that parking lot in Kansas. I thought about an arm on my throat. And through the numbness of shock, I pulled myself all the way up to the skylight and off the roof and onto the ground with a brief awkward stop on the dumpster that didn't so much slow my fall as roll my ankle. And so, bleeding and limping, I tore as fast as I could away from the station. They were rounding the corner from the front five of them running after me, and that's when Sylvia, bless her, ran behind them shouting, Hey assholes, how's your front window? As she sprinted in the opposite direction. That took care of three of them. I honestly don't know how I lost the other two. I never looked back. I ran until the world went dark at the edges, until I could hear the hollow of my breath. It must have been a memorable sight in quaint old town Savannah, Blood dripping from my chest, big, ragged gasps. But I made it back to the truck and sat in it, trying to figure out if I had gotten away and hoping that Sylvia would come along soon. She did about ten minutes later, flying into the door with a, Hey, so start driving! We were about a half hour out of town on the highway when we started laughing. Every time we glanced at each other another wave would come. It laughed until there was no sound, only shaking, and then I had hiccups for the next two hours. And that's how we broke into a police station. We stopped in a parking lot off 95 and went through what i had taken there was a lot of crap on his desk reports department memos printed out emails because it became apparent that ben was the type of person who printed out his emails in order to read them which would have been amazing luck if his emails had been about anything other than the dull minutia of his job ticket quotas reminders of policies Automatic emails to let him know that someone had responded to his comment on Huffington Post. Wait, said Sylvia, after nearly an hour of tedious reading in which I learned a lot about Ben's opinions on Star Trek canon. Do any of these places seem important to you? It was a handwritten list of cities, written on the back of one of the printed out emails. Everett, Kingston, Waco, there was a bunch of them. Most of them had been crossed out, but it was what was written at the top of the paper that tore at me. Brought out fresh grief I hadn't known was there. Vector H, it said at the top of the page. Just like you had written in your papers, Alice. Yeah, I managed. This is definitely something. Most of the town names were scribbled out, but one of them had been circled that's as good a next step as I think we're gonna get, I said. Okay, great. This is gonna be a long drive, she said. Do you have an iPhone up in here or something? She laughed, but I didn't. I looked at her. She was so young and so fucking brave. She was so much braver than me. Smarter, too. Faster, stronger. By almost any measure, a better person. I knew what I had to do, "'Well, you can kick me out if you want,' she said. "'Be a dick after everything, but I'll just find another way to get there.' And I knew she would. I had never met anyone so dedicated and brave. It made me wonder what I am. "'It's silly, what we're doing, Sylvia,' he said. "'Maybe even it's wrong. "'But you and I, we can't not do it, right?' She nodded, jaw set. "'Right,' I said. "'We would be out here no matter what. "'Even though whatever is waiting in that town, it's not a good thing. "'Maybe it's the kind of thing a person doesn't come back from. "'And, Sylvia, I am a foolish, foolish person. "'Because I'm going to go. "'No matter what, I am going to that place. "'But you are not a fool, Sylvia.' Whatever it is we're working against, they should be very afraid of you, because I think you're our best shot at stopping it. Of course, you won't stop anything if you get killed poking around some town that may or may not have the answers. But that doesn't have to happen, because no matter what, I'm going to go there. Whether you go or stay, it is too late for me. I need you to be smarter than me. I need you to lay low and keep trying to hear what you can hear. And I need you to grow and get even smarter and more powerful than you are now. Let me be the fool. You be the one that lives. Whatever needs to be done in that place, I will fucking do it. I really will. And if I fail, then you will be right here, alive and ready. I didn't say please. I didn't try to touch her shoulder. Either she agreed with me or she didn't. She was old enough to know which. She glared at me. Her arms were crossed. Then she uncrossed them and pulled me into a hug. Okay, she said. Okay. Okay, okay. She shook through our hug. Her tears soaked into the shoulder of my t shirt She let me book her a room for a few weeks at an extended-stay America. I don't want to say where. I might have finally found a secret I need to keep from you, Alice. Well... Crossed into California, north of Lake Havasu, the Inland Empire. Land that would hardly be populated if it weren't for the tempting light of L.A., just over the San Gabriel Mountains, a daily commute for those who want a house more than they want the hours of their day. Land that would be uninhabitable if it weren't for the water brought in by canal, portioned out to farmers who then sell their portions to the thirsty cities, making them nothing but water farmers. Foreclosures and cabbage and Vaughn supermarkets. The Inland Empire past a town called Needles, get on 15 at Barstow, and then 2,400 miles from Savannah, I pull into the town that was circled on Officer Campbell's list. Victorville, California. What is hidden here? Or what is hiding? I suppose I'm about to find out.
0: So there is a love story that happened behind the scenes of Welcome to Night vale, between me, Joseph Fink, and Meg Bashminer, voice of the Night vale credits and MC and tour manager for the live Night vale show. In this memoir, we recount the first 10 years of our relationship, year by year, without consulting each other beforehand. It's a funny and romantic story about how differently we experience and remember our lives. Then, on July 20th, the Halloween moon... My first ever novel for ages 10 and up. Esther Gold loves Halloween. Until the year that Halloween night just won't end. Even she doesn't want Halloween to last forever. No matter your age, if you're a fan of Alice Isn't Dead, I think you're going to love this book. Get these books wherever you get your books. And now the answer to our riddle. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because time moves so slowly, doesn't it? Only sometimes it moves so fast. Some days the morning is done by nine. Some afternoons linger long after sunset. What time is it? You'll ask. What time is it? You'll ask over and over for years. A repetition of thousands throughout your life. What time is it? What time is it? Time moves so slowly, doesn't it? Only sometimes it moves so fast. But it was only just morning, but I only just had lunch. Is it evening already? When will the morning come again? When will the morning come again? It's been so dark, so dark for so long. When will the morning come again? Time moves so slowly, doesn't it? Only sometimes it moves so fast. And that is why the chicken crossed the road.
1: This has been a production of Night Vale Presents. Find out more about us and our shows at nightvalepresents.com.
0: From the creators of Welcome to Night Vale, Alice Isn't Dead, and within the wires comes a new Audible original, Unlicensed. In the outskirts of Los Angeles, where the cul-de-sacs and strip malls sprawl into the desert, two unlicensed private investigators scrape by on whatever small cases come their way. But when a teenage girl pleads for them to take the strangest case of their career, this unlikely pair, with no resources and no backup, will follow a trail of seemingly unconnected cases, which will lead them to a ransom a murder, a mysterious wellness center, and a conspiracy that might go all the way to the
1: governor. It's important to catch small fires early. They don't stay small for long.
0: Unlicensed. Available now at audible.com slash
1: unlicensed.